0: Welcome to this. Oh my god. Don't no 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 no. Don't stop it. Don't stop it. The listeners need to hear this. They need to know. It take it we do a fake take of this every single week.
1: Sometimes too. Sometimes too.
0: <laughs> you would be shocked, dear listener, how terrible I am at saying the word welcome. It's terrible. But we're gonna begin again, in all honesty, right here. Welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane With me as always is Laura Zatz. Um, I don't know where we are anymore. Today's what, January twenty third.
1: January twenty third.
0: Excellent. Um, we've got a fun show for you today. We're gonna kind of pick at A few things we found funny. Um, but. Yeah, why don't you start with kind of the basic info, since I've done such a terrific job with the opening today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Uh So our query show that's available for our Patreon subscribers was Uh released on January 19th. If you are a Patreon subscriber, give it a listen, if you haven't already. And if you would like to give it a listen, well, then you got to become a Patreon subscriber. Our first Pages show, also available on Patreon, is coming out this Thursday, January 26th. We've also been seeing numbers skew up a lot for our new listeners. So we want to say, hello, welcome. Eric's normally better at this. Well, Uh, no, (laughs) no,
0: no, I'm not. No, I am not. Don't lie to them. I'm not. I am lying. You're right. The truth is that we we just usually cut it. Today, we're not cutting it. You know why? Because we're real people. Because
1: it's not an alternate fact.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We... This is this is an episode for the people. Yeah. The so people.
1: welcome, welcome, people. Hello, yeah. new listeners. Uh, if you are feeling so inclined, which you should be, give us a little, give us a little review. Click, you know, click some star buttons, etc. <laughs> and we'll be very, very grateful. Yeah. So let's let's jump into it.
0: Should we jump in? What's first? Is we should jump news? in. Do we have any news? We have
1: sure? plenty of news. All right. So last week in the book world uh-huh. was an event called Digital Book World. Okay, which is basically it's it's less for. It sounds like something
0: I would hate. By yes, the way. I would never <laughs> want to go to this.
1: <laughs> so, digital book world is a lot about technology and sales and marketing and how all of that can influence the book market and uh-huh. you know basically all fun new things that makes Eric really scared and like cry about witchcraft. So, digital just, book world happened
0: just because. Just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> At Digital Book World, there was a panel called "Will Bars Save Bookstores?"
0: Okay, so before we even get into this, so we have, we have a whole panel discussion and a conference where people have come. This was a physical location. Yes, where people like, came which is from, funny
1: because it's digital.
0: <laughs> where people came from across the country to meet, and the big like culminating moment is, "What about alcohol?" That's yes. what we came up with in our big, fancy digital conference? What okay. about alcohol? No, okay, continue. I'm I'm already excited so, about the conclusions we drew here. The
1: panelists among them are the CEO of the American Booksellers Association. Okay. Uh, Got to bring the
0: CEO in to pitch booze. The
1: CEO of yeah. IPG, uh-huh. which is a like distribution group, <clears throat> and some other people, but I just wanted to call out the CEOs because I think that's funny. Yeah. And all of this talked about is... So this whole panel was used to explore the wave of basically people in bookselling like selling booze. Yeah. In in bookstores. This was a
0: trend that required a a meeting. Yes. That People are selling alcohol in bookstores now.
1: Yes. So one of one of the people on the panel called uh-huh. this "booze and bookstores" theme quote a euphemism for all things smart entrepreneurial spaces are doing to attract consumers. <laughs> okay,
0: hold on. I want you to read that again. But I'm not laughing over you, but hold on. I <laughs> 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 the person said, "Booze is a euphemism for all things smart
1: entrepreneurial <laughs> space." It oh, okay. So, all things yeah. smart entrepreneurial mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Folks, this is a good time to mention that we're drinking because <laughs> booze is going to save bookstores, but it's also keeping our podcast yeah. going
0: so this person who I presume ha- is doing quite well in life, they're the CEO of something that must matter. um And the take here is that actually alcohol is good. That, that's that's what where we're at here. I just find it you know, I find it shocking that we needed a conference for this. Um, so the idea here is that bookstores have started selling alcohol in their store and the idea is that you can come and purchase alcohol while you browse a book. Yes. Right.
1: But here's the thing. Here's the big, the big aha from this panel. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah bookstores are running summer camps offering dance <laughs> how do we,
0: we get from alcohol to summer camp oh the summer camp is something different from the from the booze yes okay okay so, the so booze, is the, like... booze
1: is like the first thing okay. actually i think coffee was probably the first thing i'm picturing booze is... like a
0: flow chart presented yeah. it yeah. So,
1: so booze is the gateway drug to summer camps <laughs> in bookstores is it ever <laughs> So they're offering <laughs> summer camps, dance classes, hosting travel events, and, quote, hundreds of innovative things that are helping stores thrive in a very competitive environment. Mm-hmm. So my question is this. Yeah. Will all of the hot yoga classes wilt all of the books and ruin <laughs> all of the product? Well,
0: I'm trying to think. So, well, you, well first of all, you, you, didn't get to the, you didn't get to the best line of the whole piece here at the very bottom.
1: Right at the very bottom. This
0: person, you know, his like disruptive, you know, his big statement, you know, I'm picturing him in like a Steve Jobs turtleneck as he's delivering the slide. Here's what it is. Here's the reason.
1: Okay, so basically all of this is served to so this whole panel was basically to examine why more independent bookstores are opening than closing this year. And here's the reason. You can't download a cocktail. Whoo
0: boy. Man, you
1: can't, can't download <laughs> a cocktail.
0: Man, if yeah. only if only you could. Um, so, because you can't download a cocktail, alcohol is going to be the savior for brick and mortar retail. That's what we're getting with. I
1: mean, it should be. I mean, <laughs> what is okay, it so, the savior for? Okay,
0: so back to your point though about like the yoga studio ruining the books. What like do you have any like thoughts on what your best like bookstore and what idea is?
1: I don't know. See, okay. I have one I have one thing to one thing to uh-huh. mention is that they're so when bookstores started to open like coffee shops and like bookstores happen in other businesses or vice versa. Right, right. They call it the ongoing trend of disruption. So it's like disrupting <sighs> your, your shopping experience for books. Like it's books and. Uh-huh. Um so I'm thinking about, like, disruptions. Like, I don't know, like a like a concert venue where there's, like, punk shows? Okay, no, me, that actually seems like it would fit.
0: Okay, let me tell you what I want. Okay, what do you want? And it was – I'm only stuck on it because it was the first thing that I came up with when, um, when I was thinking, all right, what would go – what do I want? I was thinking, what do I want when I start browsing books, right? Like, when I'm, like, going through the shelves at my local independent bookstore and, like – feeling all literary and browsing around what's the thing and to me the answer is quite simple and it's cinnamon rolls
1: mm, um, you want a cinnamon.
0: <laughs> i want i want cinnamon rolls all over my bookstore and i don't want just one station either i want like you know back in like the you know the lit fiction section there needs to be like a little guy serving cinnamon you know like how costco <laughs> how costco has like samples throughout you the store you want cinnamon
1: roll samples I need everywhere sna- i
0: need snack stations everywhere <laughs> And I need most of those snack stations to have little cinnamon rolls. I want to get my hands all sticky. I want to get the books all sticky. I want to feel as much like I'm in my living room being a glutton as possible because that's when I want to make purchases. If the idea is to...
1: If you feel like you're not wearing pants, that's when you... <laughs> that's
0: when people buy things now. <laughs> that, like, you, when you're on Amazon surfing around trying to buy stuff, like, usually it's when you've eaten too much that you can't move. You probably feel a little bit bad about yourself. Like, the key is to make people feel bad about themselves in the bookstore. So, will, then,
1: the, so will there be, like, a cost to enter and then you can, like, have all you can eat wandering somewhere Oh, rolls? yeah, because
0: that is better. Or...
1: or Is it, like, the Costco thing where they have, like, specialty cinnamon roll stations where there's one that's, like, cardamom and one that's, like, cinnamon and, like, they're all over the place?
0: Yeah. No, I I think both could work. I mean, I do like the idea of paying up front for the experience and then having the experience entirely dictated to you by whoever's running the store. Mm. Like, you pay three bucks to come in the store. And whatever happens in there, we are in charge of. Whatever happens, happens. We promise we're gonna give you three dollars of perceived value, but we get to decide what it is. It's gonna, you know, some days it'll be some it'll be one food item, the next day it'll be another, it'll be whatever the hell we want.
1: Do you know what I want? I want to be browsing books Mm -hmm. and kind of looking up above my head and then just be accidentally kneecapped by somebody playing mini golf. (laughs) In the twin cities, in the twin cities, we have two separate locations They're Mm -hmm. either like cocktail joints or restaurants where they have like artisan mini golf. There's one where like you're sitting at a table and people are playing mini golf underneath you and you're not like they have signs where they say, don't move your bag, like keep it, like it's part of the game. I want to just go and like have people just put put putting around me. I I think that would be fun.
0: That would be fun. I think that bookstores need to be more like Ikea. I think where you, you just
1: need... assemble it yourself, like you go around and you find your different, you find your different
0: book well, signatures. That's, that's one way. That's one way to do it. Yeah, where you can just like put it together sixteen pages at a time, just like whatever whatever bits you want, and they're all named like weird Swedish shit. It's like yeah. choose your own
1: adventure. It's,
0: I want the first sixteen pages of The Old Man and the Sea, and, and the then next some Anna Karenina. Page. You can like bind it with whatever the hell you want. Um, but no, mostly the reason I thought like of it build
1: is, a book, like build. Yeah, a Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. What you want is like a a line through the store you know i want i don't like all this like freedom of browsing you get when you go into the bookstore in my bookstore you get you have to go in down the rows in line and we're gonna we're gonna put it in a way that's gonna make you you know want to buy the books when you reach them you know and along the way there'll be little snack shops and maybe we'll even just take the whole theme and have a little meatball station over here because like what's meatballs
1: and cinnamon rolls (laughs) (laughs)
0: look this isn't this is a full day immersive experience Okay. Ikea has
1: great cinnamon rolls, and yeah. they're very cheap. Yeah. They're very yeah. cheap.
0: I also think it would be great to have a bookstore where you don't get to pick the book you buy. Oh. Where it's kind of like, like Soviet Russia, where you just kind of get in the line, and then at the very end, <laughs> like, they just hand you what what it is you're getting.
1: They hand – well, so a lot of bookstores, indie bookstores specifically, are doing it where they wrap a book in brown paper, and yeah. they'll write a couple of words on it, and right. then you just kind of pick it. Right. That would be fun. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I want to have it much more um, controversial where – we just get a good look at who you are and decide what book you want. So, um, what book would I hop- get? We're hoping to latently insult all our customers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's very would- disruptive. What don't book- tell me it's not disruptive. What book would
1: I get, Eric?
0: Ooh, man, what book would you get? I don't know what book you. would get. What book would you get? I don't know. People would. People would definitely give me. You know what? I'm like a tall. I'm like a tall white guy, so people would definitely think that I'm into honey Coats or, or Yeah, exactly. Like. It would be either someone who – it would be like the one POC that all white men read or it would be like Franzen. <laughs> um, it would be – I will actually, if I wore glasses, people would hand me a, a Wallace novel, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I had but, somebody tell me like four times today that they were surprised that you know about sports and enjoy <laughs>
0: sports. That's shocking to me. Um, so – Oh, but think about how much fun you could have, though, because you can make a whole day out of it, right? Like, you could get together with your friends and be like, I'm going to try to get this sort of book. Ooh. And you, like, put on a certain, like, you know, you so try to present is... yourself in a manner, you know, you, like, put on your smoking jacket when you want the <laughs> lid And you, like, put on your, you know, your hot pants when but you're the looking for But the question
1: is, are the people working in the bookstore doing, trying to give you something that you'd like or trying to give you something that will expand your mind? Or you never know which one's which. You never
0: know which one's which. They're <gasps> trying to be... Um, it's completely um for their own gratification mm. um, <laughs> I want my employees to feel really good about their recommendations. this kind of I'm see so we got heckled um, earlier t- heckled is the wrong word. Um, we got approached earlier today about which of our presses were more like favorable to the people and the the decision was that yours was like much more author. Favorable. You're forgetting
1: the fact that there was the phrase <laughs> of course. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I'm starting to see why that is. It's very clear that I'm really trying to antagonize everyone. I hypothetically come into contact with. I feel like with, so cinnamon okay. rolls
1: are the opposite of antagonistic. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, we're definitely getting frosting all over the poetry section and stuff. I mean, it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be really something.
1: Oh, uh, I like this idea.
0: Yeah, no, we I mean, should if, go into business. You together. can't download a cocktail again. Like we're having like a bunch of people in lanyards coming together from around the world to like decide that we need alcohol. Like that just sounds, that's, if anything, screams book publishing in 2017, that's it. Like, ma'am, There you go.
1: Well, (laughs) um, speaking of publishing in 2017, Uh I believe it's time for our James Patterson book of the week.
0: (laughs) I love that we're doing this now
1: our James Patterson, book of, James Patterson book, book of the week What is
0: the James Patterson book of the week This book
1: actually doesn't come out until January 31st because we decided to do this bit on a the one week out of the year where he doesn't have a book come out this week.
0: Okay, so let's let's just remind people what the running bit is here though. Um, James I I forget what I was I looked it up, but we I tried to find like what the most recently listed Patterson book was. I was just like curious. And he's got things listed into, 2018. into like 2018. And it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of listed publications of his. So it was like, alright, I feel like we should be able to come up with a new original book of his every single week that we Spoiler can.
1: Spoiler alert, we can. <laughs> so, okay, so this, what we you What's have, this week's James you Patterson You have release? a week to decide to pre-order this. Mm-hmm. So this is not from his Bookshots novellas for men program.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: This is just a normal James Patterson. Right. However, with a co-worker, Marshall Karp, as per usual, Marshall Karp is not per usual co-authors are per usual Yeah. so I'm going to read this for you, the title <clears throat> NYPD Red 4 Continue. NYPD Red 4 if I remember I just when want... the
0: original NYPD Red came out, I was around for that, I was actually so I this was, is
1: the fourth book in the series?
0: I, I guess, I don't know, I was handed the original NYPD Red on an informational interview at Hachette really? Once. yeah it was crazy. I was like it was like my first it was my first little stretch in New York City. I just gotten out there. I was like a you know, I was just a bum in a suit wandering around looking for a job, right? And, <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> and I got to Hachette and I was lucky enough to uh <clears throat> get an informational interview with one of their higher-ups um who was willing to talk to me for a minute and um
1: They just handed you this James <laughs> Patterson book? No,
0: the first thing the first thing to know about this encounter was that I was late. I um, I was ha- <laughs> I was half an hour late cuz I was I like Misread the email or something, and suddenly I'm getting like a call from his secretary saying, um, "Eric, uh, we uh, were expecting you at three o'clock. It's now 3.20. and so I like run up mid. I'm like running through midtown in my stupid backpack because like sweater I'm a twenty-two-year-old who has no idea where yeah. anything is. Um, and, and I get in there and the guy was nice, but like, it was clear, like I'd whatever chance I had.
1: (laughs) And Eric never worked at Hushach. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's, that's the end of the story. But, but he did hand me, he did hand me a copy of NYPD Red.
1: See, I just thought that James Patterson has so many books that he ran out of things. So he like took a, took a cue from like his grandchildren's like picture books and just chose some letters and then a color and then a number.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, I mean. It can't be that much more complicated than that, you know?
1: Yeah. All right, 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 I'm going to read it.
0: Give me me the copy here.
1: All right. An audacious jewel heist. (sighs) A murdered actress. A killer case for NYPD Red. In a city where crime never sleeps, NYPD Red is the elite task force called in only when a case involves the rich, famous, and connected.
0: (laughs) Okay, stop. Hold on. Do you like my movie phone (laughs) voice? I do like your movie phone voice, and I was going to let you read through this, but a special police force... This, this Just is for connected how, people. This is, <laughs> a, the idea that there is a special police force for rich people in New York as opposed to the regular police force really actually says a lot. I think that that would be a concept that people would find attractive.
1: Do you think that they have special training like on <laughs> how to – Drink tea appropriately in a very like yeah, fancy yeah, yeah. transatlantic yeah, woman's yeah, house. Yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. Cool. Um, yeah, like the regular police, you know, the NYPD and all their illustrious. Glory they don't. They both. only know the, one yeah, one the t- not yeah, tie. They're...
1: These people know a double Windsor and a half. <laughs> These win-
0: people yeah. are too important for standard law. We need. We need another police force. Um, yeah. Continue.
1: Detective Zach Jordan, Z A C H. Uh-huh. By the way, and his partner Kylie McDonald. Kylie. Ki- Keep going. Okay.
0: Tell us about Kylie, though.
1: Kylie McDonald, the woman who broke her his heart at the police academy mm-hmm. are, because, of course, they would be partners. Yep. And that's the, just
0: basic HR 101. Yeah. Trust me, that works every time to be <laughs> paired with someone who's like, yeah. Never mind.
1: (laughs) Who broke his heart at the police academy are the best of the best. Brilliant and tireless investigators who will stop at nothing to catch a criminal, even if it means antagonizing the same high-flying citizens they're supposed to be helping.
0: Again, what sort of – I mean, I want to get back to the dystopia this is painting here. You've got a police force whose task, it seems to be, is to, like, help manage the affairs of the rich and famous as as opposed to enforce any laws. And then
1: they antagonize them.
0: Yeah. It's, and now here, it's like, oh. Seems
1: like perhaps they're not the best of the best.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe.
1: When a glitzy movie premieres, the scene of a shocking murder and high-stakes robbery, NYPD Red gets the call. Mm-hmm. Traversing the city's highs and lows from celebrity penthouses to the depths of Manhattan's criminal underworld, Zach and Kylie have to find a cold-blooded killer before he strikes again.
0: Before he kills another fancy rich person.
1: yeah Yep. What, are, these, are these are these characters born in like 1997?
0: What Kylie, Zach, and Kylie? Kylie? And Zach. I don't know. Kylie is pretty. Sounds pretty young.
1: NYPD Red Four is the next sensational thriller by James Patterson, the number one best-selling crime writer of all time. Yeah,
0: he sure is.
1: Well, that just sounds very unique <laughs> and just wonderful.
0: I'm gonna buy this book and read it and review it. Well,
1: you already have number one. I think you're gonna need yeah, NYPD but I Red two. I
0: definitely don't know where that book is right now. Ah,
1: okay. Well, you know now's now's your chance, I guess. <laughs> now's your chance. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is your James Patterson book of the week. Yeah.
0: No, I can't wait for the next debut. Yeah. Or,
1: excuse it's me. Next debut. The next highly release. anticipated.
0: Yeah. yeah. Highly That's
1: great. Highly anticipated. So, I think this brings us. To, to the next,
0: the next news item. The next the
1: day. news item. So I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to give you any background. Yeah. I'm just gonna, similar to the James Patterson book of the week, I'm going to turn this into part of our reading series. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're a print runner, you are aware that very often we find Guardian articles and then we kind of read them all because we can't say it better than the Guardian does. Well, this week
0: we can say it better than the Guardian does.
1: Shh. <laughs> this week we're not dealing with the Guardian though. This week we're dealing with the New York Times. Oh, okay. So I have an article. Yeah. that I'm going to turn. It's a little long. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to truncate it. it a little you bit. You
0: hit me with it and I'll just sit Kay. here and get washed over.
1: Okay. Alice Hemmer's favorite part of Jack Kerouac's novel On the Road doesn't involve the drug-addled cross-country road trips, encounters with prostitutes in Mexico or wild parties in Manhattan. That's a bummer. Mm. Alice, who is five... (laughs) She's five years old. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so the five-year-old reading on the road doesn't like these things. Okay, continue.
1: Alice, who is five and lives in a Chicago suburb, likes the part where Sal Paradise eats ice cream and apple pie whenever he feels hungry.
0: (laughs) Okay, I feel like first you need to give the title of the article.
1: So the title of this article is Forget Pat the Bunny, My Child is Reading Hemingway.
0: First of all, hashtag never forget Pat the Bunny. (laughs) But (laughs) my child is reading anyway. So I guess the lead here is we have, like, people in Naperville or, like, whatever, Downers Grove, you know. um, I've decided that. Good Chicago suburb knowledge. You better believe it. Where do you think I was born? Um, Yeah, it's, it's uh, man. So a (laughs)
1: five-year-old is reading on the road. So, of course, she hasn't actually read this book. Um, But she's been reading a Heavily abridged and sanitized illustrated version of On the Road designed for six to twelve year old children.
0: Heavily abridged and sanitized is like a direct quote out of this yep. article, by the Okay. Way. So, just in terms of in terms of the concept here, before we move on, we've got the so we've got Jack, Jack Kerouac book, three hundred twenty page On the Road for you know, six year olds for, and it's been dumbed down. Abridged and sanitized and Ill- and illustrated. I would love to see the illustrations for this book. Oh, you
1: can Google them. Um, They're subpar. Des-
0: uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, designed for a six-year-old to read yes. this book. And w- um, all the yuppies in uh, suburban Chicago are all over that because then they can feel like their child is sophisticated. That's what we're doing? Yes. Okay, so here's Continue.
1: Okay. This is a quote <laughs> from her father. Quote. She didn't love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's because she wants Pat the bunny. She Bring didn't love that. it,
1: said her father, Kurt Hemmer, an English professor at Harper College and scholar of the beat generation.
0: How many how many guys who are like 35 refer to themselves as self-designed scholars of the beat generation?
1: So her father read her this story yeah. and then noted that even some college students failed to appreciate the novel's subtle spiritual message. That's because this guy didn't edit. He wrote it all in one sitting and was totally high. Yeah, it
0: was on a scroll, right? It was on, it was on a on that, scroll. Yeah, he just like whipped... Yeah.
1: To really grasp it, he says, you need to be a bit more mature. Than six? Then six.
0: <laughs> you need to be more mature than six?
1: So the publisher of this is Kinder Guides, which Kinder Guides. is a new series of books that aims to make challenging adult literary classics accessible to young readers. Oh so God. basically, Wishbone without the cute Jack Russell Terrier. Yeah, what the
0: hell is wrong with Wishbone? Or any it's off of- the air. Yeah. If they don't even play Weren't reruns anymore. Weren't there Wishbone books?
1: Yeah, they were. They yeah. still are. I remember
0: reading those. Those were fun. You yeah, can do, yeah. I
1: remember I read Rad Badge of Courage, but you know what? They don't sanitize it. <laughs>
0: but it's it's got good. well, all they do like is like just swap in like a dog and, and a little stuff. hat.
1: Yes. Yeah, and, and the it's dog lovely, is and then people like the die of horror. cannon fodder, and it's
0: this great. Little, this little Jack Russell Terror uh, Terrier is like contemplating the nature of union and everything. It's yeah. great. Yeah,
1: it's great. So, along with On the Road, Kinder Guides recently published a picture book version of Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea, mm-hmm. Truman Capote's melancholy novella Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so um, The Old Man, I, I think this, obviously, I find this idea ludicrous, but like um, The Old Man in the Sea, okay, it's got like fish in it, there's a boat, it's very, you know, it's like I can see why maybe, maybe, maybe. You could make a version of this book that like a six-year-old would like like to look at the pictures of and stuff. There's, sure. Like, you know, there's like some baseball imagery. There's like a fish, you know. I mean, whatever. Fine. But Breakfast at Tiffany's? It
1: skips over. If, in case you were wondering, it skips over the question of whether Holly Golightly is a prostitute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. They also
1: call like, what is
0: the picture of that They also like,
1: call the her friend who, who's unnamed uh-huh. in the in the in the novella they call him Truman. It's like wait uh-huh. okay, great like yeah. way to separate off auth- authorship mm-hmm. and then a writer character because that's yeah, you yeah no, there really you good. go um they've also released a cheerful take on author C Clark's opaque mind-bending science fiction novel 2001 a Space Odyssey. Which, if you're not familiar, is an allegory about the evolution of human consciousness that many adult readers can't even handle. Maybe
0: they should make this for adults. That would actually be way funnier to me. Is if they were yeah, making these kind of dumb- like
1: "Go the fuck to sleep" <laughs> from Acacia. <Kayshank? laughs>
0: if they were making like these like dumb editions of books, except it was marketed towards adults who didn't want to read like 500 pages of something.
1: Yeah. So yeah. they've got more planned, yeah. including Paulo Coelho's best-selling novel, The Alchemist. Jane uh-huh. Austen's *Pride and Prejudice*, J.D. Salinger's *The Catcher in the Rye*, and of course *To Kill a Mockingbird*—minus the rape charges, the KKK rallies, and the racial. So slurs. the whole
0: fucking book.
1: The whole book, <laughs> except for maybe Boo Radley and Scout.
0: <clears throat> okay, so with that too, like *The Alchemist*. How old do you think you have to be to read *The Alchemist*? You could be twelve. And I've read never the even full. read *The yeah, Alchemist*. But like, so. even if you, it's a really—it's a—it's a great book, but. Like, a 13-year-old could handle The Alchemist. You know what I mean? Like, just wait a year and give your child the actual text. Like, a lot of this. And, and like, Catcher in the Rye. Like, that's a book you read your freshman year of high school. That's 14. Like, why do you need your child to read that at age 8?
1: You don't. You don't. Maybe because you hal- holding Caulfield's a little shit. <laughs> Anyway, yeah,
0: that's the other thing is you end up with a kid who's like behaving like your worst literary nightmares, which is also something <laughs> I don't need. So,
1: so this company, they're uh-huh. not alone. Yeah, there's also, you know, for parents that have played like Mozart for their babies and like make them watch Little Einstein instead of like Dora the Explorer or whatever. Um, there's also BabyLit, which is an imprint that publishes board books based on Anna Karenina. <laughs> 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 wuthering yeah. heights don quixote and other classics okay
0: so i'm interested in the board book of wuthering heights too that sounds very fun.
1: there's just like oh god, just like a little
0: like cartoon woman yelling heathcliff like i don't know yeah like, seems- and then
1: like lots of really moody yeah hills and yeah. then like a, a grave Ooh, i don't boy. know i don't know and then maybe like kate bush like a, a shot of like an illustration of kate bush from her from her music video about yeah, yeah, yeah. wuthering heights yeah good um okay so they say that it's a more occasional educational approach there's also a third series cozy classics which is a which reduces so great works like of, a whole,
0: so this is like a whole industry it's a whole thing people are really making these like so real quick yes I think there's something very funny going on here because the baby slash kid has no idea what they're reading. Like they don't know – like they don't have a sense of what a classic is. You know what I mean? Like they don't care. If they did care, they would read they – were they they'd be smart enough to read the real book. Yeah. Their parents care. aren't actually giving them the real book. They're giving them a fake version of the real book, which means that this entire industry is basically just designed around flattery of the parents, right? Yeah. Because like it, the whole sale impetus here is – me, look at how fancy and the bougie dad, we are. Look how, look how fancy I can make my child, even though my child has no idea he's being fancy. And he's not being fancy because he's not actually reading the book. He's reading just some little thing.
1: This is like the more insufferable version of like the parents that buy the Metallica that's made into lullabies. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> we sold yeah. a ton. of. It's actually <clears throat> very pleasant to yeah. listen to. OK, so there's a third company. hmm. That called Cozy Classics, Mm -hmm. and they reduce great works of literature to 12-word stories. (laughs) 12 words. And it's illustrated with photos. Just wait. Illustrated with photos of felt figurines. So 12 words and then photos of felt dolls. So you've got little
0: felt dolls and you've got. Okay.
1: So the one that they included in this New York Times article is Tolstoy's War and Peace. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> they put War and Peace, they War and War and Peace. Peace down so to 12 words. I
1: can read it for you.
0: C- can you read me War Are you going to handle it? Are you going to be able now to I handle can, it? Apparently now I can check War and Peace off my list.
1: Soldier. Friends. Run. Dance. Goodbye. Hug. Horse. Boom.
0: <laughs> the boom. The boom. That's like that's the only sort one. of metonymy for, I assume, a bunch of death. Yeah, that's right. the
1: only one that has um, an, uh, any sort of punctuation. Uh-huh. Hurt sleep snow love
0: I feel like that I feel like that hurt sleep snow love is like there's like a lot of death that gets glossed over yeah. right in there
1: and then there's also Jane Eyre Emma Huckleberry Finn oh etc there's also um, the my favorite part is this article also says that these books include some arch visual jokes directed at the parents like felt figurines of Miss Havisham flailing about in flames <laughs> what? How is that appropriate? <laughs> no,
0: this is so good. How is that appropriate? I'm, I've actually changed my mind. I'm totally into it now. So, like, I, like, I'm also curious. They just transcribed the entire book here. That's not like a – I mean, you just gave me the book. I mean, I it's just
1: to... 12 words. Is that a book?
0: I mean, what's stopping me from – yeah, I don't know. That seems silly. But, like, I feel like we could do this with other books. Like, if I just started, like, shouting incoherent nouns, you know, like, boat – racism, colonialism. Like I feel like I could do like like a uh, Heart of Darkness pretty quick. Yeah.
1: Here. That'd be pretty <laughs> that'd be pretty good. Like, or like or like um <laughs> or like uh the jungle. Yeah. Like Upton Sinclair.
0: <laughs> Meat <laughs> Chicago.
1: Meat Dirt. They like that one. It's Chicago themed. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, continue. This is, I'm
1: continuing with this. Even uh-huh. with the adult, adorable, fuzzy figures, the books can be overwhelming. "Quote: My daughter started crying hysterically three pages into it." One reader wrote of her 18 month old in an Amazon review of Moby Dick.
0: Okay, so. <laughs> wow.
1: Um. Uh, yeah. Other people said that Jane Eyre is weird, dark, and not not the most appropriate for kids who are reading board books. No
0: shit. Don't let your kid like. Why not just wait till your kid is a, like? I just don't understand any of this.
1: So one of the creators of of the felt <coughs> books said, "quote It's not about saying my two year old has read Pride and Prejudice.
0: Yes, it is. First we of try all, not to yes, cheap- it is.
1: <laughs> we try not to cheaply capitalize on these brand name stories by sanitizing <laughs> them and losing the themes. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is.
0: We try not to do. Insert exact thing they're doing here.
1: Yeah. And of course, like teachers are saying that this is absolutely ludicrous uh-huh. and it's like in in uh, quote disingenuous attempt to exploit parents' insecurities. That's
0: what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's this is all about parents feeling like they're raising their child as some sort of like literary like wunderkind.
1: I have I have a um I have a quote that directly adds to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brent Almond. Yeah. A graphic designer and parenting blogger who lives in Maryland uh-huh. said his seven-year-old son John has responded enthusiastically <laughs> to some of the books. Quote, a lot of these books are melancholy or outright depressing, but it's been cool to see how he reacts to them. What,
0: so you're just like making your kid read depressing shit? Yes. And, you just, and like not even the real – and this is the thing with that where I actually think there's a problem here. It's like it's not even you're giving – you're not even giving this kid the depressing book – that also is imbued with meaning and artistry and all this stuff. All you're doing is just taking the flat emotion, the depression bit, and just injecting that into him with none of the art and none of the language and none of the thematic or context. And it's like, what are you doing to your kid, man? Like
1: I mean, we're already to be fair, we're already gonna fuck him up anyway. So <laughs> I mean, at least this is like also giving them literature.
0: Like imagine but you're not giving them literature. Like imagine if imagine if your mother or father made you feel, every day as a child, just made you feel like you were, like, if they just took the emotion of Wuthering Heights and just, like, put it into you every single day with none of the, like, rewarding bits of reading Weathering Heights, where you just had to, like, feel, like, terrible and...
1: That seems awful.
0: Yeah, it does. It does seem awful, doesn't it?
1: So going back to the Kinderguys, uh-huh. the guy who started it's name is Mr. Colting. He's Swedish. He's got a background in publishing that the is, quote, somewhat checkered. Oh. In 2009, oh. he was sued by the Salinger estate for publishing an unauthorized sequel to *Catcher in the Rye*. Oh. He has settled the lawsuit and since withdrew <clears throat> copies from North America.
0: So he like he what he wrote a, 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 sequel, a sequel and just called it the official sequel. Well, in he the... said
1: unauthorized, but you know, J.D. Salinger is so grumpy about that type of stuff. Like yeah. he's a total recluse. Holy so jackass. the the, <laughs> the article that I'm reading right now. Please. Was published on December eighteenth, twenty sixteen, uh-huh. and this is going to be important. So, this is a quote from the this New York Times article. Despite the er- earlier legal ent- entanglement, Mister. Colting has no qualms about repurposing famous novels as picture books, including The Catcher in the Rye. He argues that because they function as study guides as well as entertainment, the Kinder guides books don't infringe on copyrighted works. Um, some copyright experts dispute that logic. Well, yes. guess what, folks. Yes, they do. Guess what? He's being sued. Of course he is. He's being sued. So he's being sued by the Capote estate, uh-huh. the Salinger estate, um, the Steinbeck estate, and, so just,
0: <laughs> and <laughs> you're just listing and like the canon, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's he's being sued by all yeah. four estates from uh-huh. the authors. Uh-huh. Um, and they're they're basically claiming that it's negatively detracting from the reputation of the novels and the authors by extension.
0: I'm with them because like eventually this kid, you know, if he has any recollection of doing this whatsoever, which I, I guess I'm skeptical of, but like you're telling him he's already read that book. Like why? Like, of course, he's already got an opinion about Jane Eyre. If you made him read the picture book as a kid, like why would he? I don't know. You're definitely influencing that human's Opinion and stance on that on that actual author, like I agree with the people running the estates. Like I think this is ridiculous. Like how hard is it to just come up with a? I don't know. There's got to be a different way. There is
1: okay. So ALA, which is um a librarian children's conference, is happening right now, and so many wonderful writers and wonderful books just won all of these one this these great awards. And there's so many good books out there. Is that like? We need to have a gigantic New York Times article about turning withering heights into a book for children. Mm-hmm. And that's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Quit trying to screw
0: over Pat the Bunny. You know Honestly, what? Honestly, none of this would have happened if you just left Pat alone.
1: I don't want to forget Pat the Bunny. Pat
0: lawyered up and now you're in trouble.
1: I want I want Pat the Bunny forever. Never forget.
0: <laughs> um, so I'm looking at this article now. Um, the end bit is funny here. Um because it, 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 because it to me it betrays the, it betrays the whole problem. Um, here we go. The aim to publish 50 books, though not every classic novel seems feasible. James Joyce's Ulysses, for instance, was considered but ultimately rejected. and would you like would you like to hear why it was rejected? I would. And this is the bit, this is the bit where I it's just very clear that um, the writer of this New York Times article is just dripping with disdain for this person. <laughs> here we go. This is the final quote of this and this is the final bit of the story. We couldn't, in faith, do it, Mr. Colting said, because we haven't read it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not the only one,
0: but like that can't be the reason for for i don't know it's just it just betrays the total laziness of this task, like yeah. it's because this is a guy who also doesn't want to read these books but also wants credit for having read them, you know, it's just I don't know, it just seems very foolish to me, yeah, it's, it's unnecessary, silly. there's so many good children's books out there, why not?
1: Why yeah. not read those? Yeah. Why, why not? not read those and save Wuthering Heights for your college English classes? God intended. Yeah. Anyway. Pat the bunny. Pat the bunny. Bless up. Forever and ever.
0: <laughs> Amen. Amen.
1: <laughs> so we've got a new section here on Print Run.
0: Uh huh. It's called do. Story
1: Time. Seeing as we've just been talking about children's books. Yeah. And and reading to children.
0: Well, we just I feel like. I feel like we were very serious the last few episodes. We've been, we've been. I think when we set out with this show, we weren't necessarily planning to be as serious as we've been. In terms, shit's been of, going down. Like yeah, but, but like a lot of stuff has happened. You know, like we've got you know between the election and some of the stuff that's happened afterward, as it relates to the book world. You know, we've been very, um, you know, we've had to really kind of engage with current events in a way that is good I think you know I'm happy with those episodes but but
1: we also want to give we also you... want to
0: just kind of have some fun and, and show
1: you what publishing is like when we're not <laughs> all trying to be serious and yeah, fancy yeah, yeah, and yeah. important
0: so we, we should have some story time so um, and so the question was that was posed to me is what like what's like, what's the first story you want to tell people? Um, and I was like, <laughs> what's the most absurd thing that happened to and you? And
1: this isn't a story I know. Yeah. I'm going to be hearing this yeah. just with you. Um,
0: so the one that came to mind, and hopefully there will be, there'll be many of these as I think of them. And hopefully, actually, we have guests on who can also give us some stories, too, very soon. But um, I'm thinking of this was a few years ago. I was working at a publishing house. Um, I'm going to leave it nameless for now. I'm, my work history is not a secret. You can go find it. But um, I was working at a publishing house. And one thing I think that people don't quite realize about the editing life is that you inherit a lot of books, right? Like, an editor doesn't only work on the books that he or she buys. A lot of the time, there's books that you have to just edit because the last guy didn't quite get to it, you know? Um, so I was given a book, I was p- called into the publisher's office and said, okay. You have to edit this one. Um, and I got it and I started looking through and I was like, okay. I'll was it like have
1: fiction, a... nonfiction? It was, it was
0: nonfiction. It was a collection of essays. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it had a very biographical tilt to it in terms of um, the point of the book was to just like talk about various figures in out history and compare them and stuff. So there was a lot of like biographical vignette happening. Okay. Right.
1: Okay. I got you. Um,
0: Between, you know, it was like presidents and prime minister. You know, it was a lot of like British and American historical figures, things like that.
1: Doesn't every book have that?
0: Sure. But this was one that was specifically focused on these characters. You know, like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. Like they're just very basic biographical facts. Okay. And I was handed this book to edit. Were Um, you new in your job? I was pretty, uh, yeah, I was pretty new. Okay. Um, And so I was handed this book to edit and I took it home one night because, you know, you edit at night. And I started editing, and I didn't like it at all. Um, I thought it was pretty shallow. I thought it was pretty lame. Um, I thought it wasn't really that insightful. Um, And I was kind of sitting around with it one night. It was due pretty soon. Like, we were up against a crunch, as you always are at a small press and really everywhere. Um, So it was like, I had to get this in. And I was just, like, mad about this terrible book that I knew was going to have to go through a bunch more editing. And I, like, didn't want to go in the next day. To like say how much editing it needed because my bosses needed it done, you know, but like it wasn't ready. So I was like, I was kind of mad, I was kind of tense, all that sort of stuff. And so just in like a moment of sarcasm. I was you like, have you know, many of those. <laughs> I do have many <laughs> of those. In a moment, in a moment of sarcasm, I was like, you know what? This bit on person X, it it's so shallow. I'm gonna look up I'm gonna look up the Wikipedia page for this historical figure. And I wonder if the Wikipedia page is like deeper, is a deeper look into this person than this this essay that we're tr- eventually going to sell for like 35 bucks a pop, right? And so I open up, I open, I type in the figure's name into Wikipedia. I think it was, uh, let's see, it was, it was like John Adams. So somebody,
1: first. yeah, okay. Just
0: like a, you know, just an American history figure. Murica. Murica. Um, just typed him into Wikipedia and. The you know and again my goal was to kind of like sarcastically decide if Wikipedia had like a better version of this person's life than this actual author had written, and it turns out that it did not uh, because it was the same exact text. What? 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 It was directly pulled from Wikipedia.
1: Is this an was this an author that has worked that worked with
0: you? This was this author's second book with (sighs) the press um
1: like if you're gonna plagiarize (laughs) don't plagiarize from wikipedia and
0: so so obviously so i'm sitting there and i've got the page like i've got the word doc pulled up right of the actual of like the written text and i've got like wikipedia pulled up to the side i'm doing like (laughs) the side by side thing and it is i mean it's identical right just paragraph after paragraph of pulled wikipedia What? And, and so i was like oh well that's concerning so i started doing it with um several of the other, you know, figures in this book. And it was, it was rampant, you know, like this, it, I had, a, it occurred to me throughout the course of this evening that this author had pulled most of his, most of his copy, most of his writing from, directly from Wikipedia. Oh my God. About this book, So I start putting together, because I knew this was going, this was going to be um, a thing that my bosses were not going to be happy to hear about, right? Um, so I put together this, Um, Like a split screen sort of thing where I like copied the Wikipedia page and said, you know, here are the bits that are identical. I basically like started piecing together a case to show that – to show what was going on to my bosses to them. And they said, hey, is the book ready? I could say, well, actually, no, it's not. It's Wikipedia. (laughs) We're not selling this for thirty-five dollars. I mean, um, at
1: least not without that like pop-up on top that says you should donate.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you can't donate. You are donating. You're donating a lot of money for this nice hardcover we're publishing. Um, <laughs> so I go in the next day, and I make this case to my to my boss. Was your
1: boss and, scary? And cool? I, like, not, what was your boss like? My
0: boss was was not was not cool. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, and. So I'm, like, laying out these pages, right, of just, like, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of identical... Copy. ...of identical copy. And it was... <laughs> it was crazy, right? Like, it was it was an ironclad case. You know what I mean? Like, I... This was a book taken from Wikipedia. I was not inferring. I was not making this up. I was showing, like, 400 words at a time of direct replica. You know what I mean? <laughs> and just, like, multiple, multiple instances. What? And I show it to these people... And they, and they, their, first, their first response to me um, as we're sitting in this little editorial meeting is they go, so you're going to edit it, right? Oh, <laughs>
1: what does that even mean?
0: <laughs> so apparently my task from that point forward became to take this person's just plagiarized shit
1: And turn it into not plagiarized shit.
0: Turn it into not plagiarized shit. So
1: really, you wrote this book.
0: Well, now hold on.
1: Oh boy. So
0: then I I um I wasn't going to do that. That was that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That was simply not something I was going to spend my time doing. I was not going to um edit someone's plagiarism out of their own work. That's not my job. It's not anyone in publishing's job. Um, and so I did. I showed this to the author. Or I or that's jumping ahead. I was like, all right, well, I, I have to confront the author about this because this is, you know, this, this is bullshit. This is crazy. Like, I'm not. This is this is wild. So I brought. I did the same thing. I sort of said, hey, I was really, really gentle about it. I was like, hey, can we just talk a little bit about where you're, get, you know, the research you did and the sources you found because it feels like. Um, you know, it feels sort of like a wiki entry. I didn't even mention Wikipedia specifically. I was like, but it kind of feels like it's at the level. I was trying to get him to just kind of say it, you know. Um, it's like it kind of feels like it's at the level of a basic wiki, and I feel like we need to go deeper. Um, you know, just kind of lines like that. You know how you sometimes have to send emails like that?
1: Uh, um, no, I've never <laughs> sent a, a nice email you, to somebody who's plagiarized. Of course,
0: yeah, okay. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Um,
1: but yes, I and,
0: do. <laughs> he totally denied it. He said and he said the same thing to me, and so then I got I got kind of mad. And to be honest, it was like I was planning to leave this job in like a month. You know, like I was I was not going to be working this at this place. There was a set date for my leaving at this point. So I was like, I'm not doing like I'm not spending my last four weeks wrapping up my tasks I really cared about at this publisher doing this. So I sent him the same kind of side by side um, comparison that I just I said. <laughs> Well, well, then can you help me understand this, sir? <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> sent him the thing. Eric like,
1: got mad online.
0: <laughs> I did, um, and I sent him this side by side thing, and he still not. He's like, oh, he goes like, this is literally the line in his email, ready for this? Yeah. Goes, oh, that is similar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: 400 words yeah. at a time.
0: And I, I mean this it was like 20 instances. Like this was With
1: 400 words, folks. If you're not a writer like a in and of and yourself, half. that's a page and yeah, a half.
0: Yeah. It's like it just pages and pages and pages of direct copy. And, what? <laughs> and And
1: your bosses weren't just like we're canceling this immediately?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I left before a decision like like that was made. So wow. then you I guess the end of this story is you fast forward about a year, I guess, to a recent event we held here in Minneapolis, and it was at a bookstore. It was at the, uh, what's the bookstore that is run by Garrison Keillor? Common, common ground, something like that. Common
1: good, some common books. good,
0: something like that. Yeah, we were there. And we were having a nice time with our coffee and our professional book chatter. I
1: was there. You were there.
0: You were there. And right, I there, ate w- donuts. And right there on the front table under new nonfiction is this book. Oh
1: no! <laughs> did you look at it? I did. What? Well, what was it? Was it still plagiarized?
0: Um, well, I don't know because I don't remember the exact wording of. I will say this: it was not it was not deeper. I don't know if the words got changed. But anyway, so that's story time. I'm
1: curious what would happen that's... if if a if a book was plagiarized from Wikipedia, which is a no like a non-sourced kind of thing unless there's like an actual quote like all of like peop- there's no author. Yeah. What happens then?
0: Okay, well, so my argument, I thought about that and my argument was well, it's shitty writing and it's not his. Like regardless of whether or not you think that this is plagiarism, which it is, it's, it's bad. Like Wikipedia is not known for its beautiful eloquent essays that make you want to pay $35 for a book of them.
1: That's a good point.
0: You know, I was like, this is a book of Wikipedia articles. That should be enough. Like, even if that were used as an expression, like if I describe someone's writing as that, that's enough to, like, ma- want overhaul, right? I
1: wouldn't buy that. Yeah. If, no I, one if would I buy want, that.
0: No it, one would buy that. If no I one, want like,
1: Wikipedia articles, I'll just go on and, like, yeah, like you, why you click I on just the click whatever. On. <laughs>
0: like,
1: that's free. Um, that would, yeah. Except they ask for money. But it's free.
0: Yeah, it's free. Wow. Um So, anyway, that's... That's our first story time. That's our first story. <laughs> well,
1: that, Eric, is a wonderful story. Yeah, you know,
0: there's, there's going to be more to come. I oh, think. my
1: gosh. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. that's just a little taste. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we have guests? Yeah. Da-da-da-da.
0: But yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. I – wow. Okay. <laughs> so the first pub tip of the night is don't plagiarize, from especially from Wikipedia.
0: Yeah. Um, so – The pub tip this week
1: the second one, the the, real uh, one.
0: (laughs) The first yeah, the first one is the first one
1: should be without is don't
0: use command C on Wikipedia and use that to write your book. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The second the second tip, and this is one I want you to weigh in on a little bit, it's don't immediately think of yourself as struggling when Hmm. you're writing. I see this is and it's kind of a nuanced point, I guess, but like I see a lot on like Twitter or on any forum where writers are kind of discussing their own work and they're discussing the process and the stage they're at with their... It's
1: so hard. With their
0: manuscript. And it is so hard. That's not what I'm talking about, though. But there's... Like, it is a hard process and it is a thing. But a lot of the times people refer to themselves as struggling writers before I think they're actually struggling. Which is to say, like, people don't... You know, when you start submitting... When you finish your manuscript... And you have to rewrite it, and you have to edit it, and you have to do all these things with it to make it good enough to submit. That isn't struggling. That's the that's the process. Mm. You know, like yeah. it's just a hard it's just a process that if, that's the reality of the process. Like struggling would be if the is if those tasks themselves weren't necessarily working in the way you wanted. But like I think sometimes people mistake. Struggling for the realities of the situation, or like when they're submitting to agents and they get a bunch of rejections to start, like that isn't really that doesn't make you a struggling writer. That just makes you as having entered the process. Everyone gets a million rejections. I get for,
1: a million rejections exactly as yeah. an agent, right? As like me agent. too.
0: Like it's part of the process. Um, and so I don't say that to like admonish writers. I say that as like a tone of hope. You know, like you don't have to think of yourself as struggling just because you haven't reached the end of the road yet. Because so,
1: everybody's doing right, the same thing, and like, if everybody's struggling, it doesn't—it's not really a struggle.
0: Exactly. Like when I th- when I think of like Writer Twitter and all the hashtags that people use to talk about their in-progress novels and their manuscripts and querying and all this stuff, there's kind of this under there's like this recurring theme that everyone is like lost and you know, and everyone's like broadcasting how you know desperate they are and how lost they are and how much they want you know to break through and all this stuff, and it's like. That's just part of the like that feeling and that, you know, that wanting to kind of find a break and stuff. That's not atypical and it's not unusual and it doesn't make it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. That's my point here. Yeah. Is that just because these things are happening, just because um, you're, you know, you're not having immediate success, like very, I mean, what percentage of people have immediate success in this? No one does. I mean, it's, that's just simply not the zero process. Zero percent. Exactly. That's simply, zero percent. It's simply not the process. And if it's not the process, that means you're not struggling. It means you're simply undergoing the very standard growing pains that most writers who are really trying to make a professional run at undergo. And it's it should be hopeful. Like that – I know that – I'm listening to myself say it and I know that it sounds like I'm scolding or something, but that's not – Or that not, it
1: sounds super like patronizing or – No. Word. But it's I, not. Yeah, but it's, but it's I, not.
0: I, And I, I get that. But – I don't mean it that way. I, what I mean is that take heart, you know, be hopeful. Like, just because you have gotten 20 rejections from agents for your manuscript, that doesn't mean that you're struggling. It doesn't mean your manuscript is bad. I mean, may, I mean maybe it does. You should look at, you know, you should um, consider it. You should always be thinking about what certain things mean. But it doesn't mean you've hit a total impasse, you know. It doesn't mean you're suddenly casting about for answers and have no idea what to do next. Um, I guess, like, It's just take the rejection and take the slow editing and sort of the rewriting and sort of the stuff that feels kind of redundant and like you have to – like the going back to the drawing board part of trying to write and publish, everyone does that. And because everyone does that, you should take heart in having to do it too and not worry that it somehow makes you remedial or not getting the break you deserve or not getting – and and it's like you were just saying. We do it as agents too, right? Like – I have a, a bunch of books that I represent that I am thrilled about and I just in my bones I know are incredible and awesome. And we've got a bunch of rounds of submissions. And you know, I get we go to editors and they reject me and they say nice things and we and they give criticism and we take that criticism and we work on the book again and then we go back out. You know, there's always a back And rejections to
1: the even happen once you're already published. Yeah, like exactly. that happened to me today. Like,
0: exactly. Like it's not the the impu- I understand the impulse on the internet to immediately say you're struggling because it sort of invites a level of common experience you know it's like we can both talk about how we don't have an agent yet or we can both talk about how we're trying to slog through this draft of the novel and and that's good like I think that that's the point but don't let that be a reason to self defeat or think that you're up against impossible odds because you're not I guess I, I guess that's, that's that's my right tip that's for, good is yeah. that
1: Don't mistake struggling with just the difficult nature of the process. Yes.
0: I mean, and it is a difficult process, but, like, the people who... You're
1: not falling behind.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Like, people say struggling as though somehow they're doing something wrong. It's like you're probably not doing something wrong. You're probably just doing it, you know? I like that. Yeah.
1: I think that's really lovely. I think that's a great note to end on. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen... Thank you so much for joining us, and this, our 14th, what?
0: This is our 14th episode. 14th episode
1: of Print Run. As a reminder, Query Show is already out on Patreon. Our First Pages Show is coming out this Thursday, January 26th, and we will see you at the regular time and place next week for our normal episodes.
0: See ya.